the, the dried apricot fruit, which is like still so golden and opulent. And then you have like the coquettish, playful, kind of salted nutty thing going on. And it just lasts on a tongue for ages and just kind of dances on your palate for at least like 10 or 15 seconds afterwards. It's like insane. Like it's still like, it just like travels with you. Mm-hmm. And it just like feels so alive, um, even though, yeah, uh, the wine we had was would have been at least 70 years old. Uh, yeah. Olá e bem-vindo! Welcome to The Simple Life, an insider's perspective into Portugal. We already know about Portugal's amazing weather, food and people. In this podcast we go deeper and meet the real people who make this country so wonderful. Dylan, who has made his life in Portugal, shares an insider's perspective into what makes Portugal the unique beautiful and amazing country that it is. Join him and his guests every week as they shed some light on the incredible people, culture, history and lifestyle that makes Portugal so appealing. A country where everyone feels like they belong. This podcast is sponsored by Portugal Realty. Welcome to The Simple Life. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Emilia Singer. Amelia is a London-based wine journalist, judge, communicator, and a presenter of the popular TV series The Wine Show. We discuss, amongst other things, how Portugal has surprised her with food, safety, people, and timeless quality. And obviously, we couldn't avoid the subject of wine. Why Portugal is such a special wine region, how Portugal should be marketing itself, and what is a wine that sings, and how Portugal has so many of those. Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Portugal, The Simple Life. And I'm delighted to be joined here by Emilia Singer. Emilia, hello, all the way from hey. London. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. It's awesome. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. And actually, it gave me the perfect opportunity to crack open a wine which I've been saving for a very, very long time. Well, mm-hmm. like, like two years. It was that is a, a long time. I was given when I was in Madeira filming for the wine show. Oh, wow. I got given a 15-year-old dry Madeira from H.M. Borges, and it's, yeah, I'm just having little sips because I want to be coherent during this, but I thought, you know what? And I have a Portuguese friend coming over later for dinner, so I was like, yes, this will be fun. So, yeah. cheers. Or, cheers. Yeah. Cheers. You, you wouldn't be the, the first person to drink wine on the podcast. You wouldn't be the first person, if you wanted, to get slightly tipsy by the end of the wine, by, by the end of the episode either, so the podcast interview. So, you know, just be, be make yourself at home, be comfortable. <laughs> cool. Amelia, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about you? Well, sorry, they're probably thinking she's an alcoholic, but um, I'd like to say... <laughs> Again, probably not the first one we've had, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> I'd like to say that I'm a discerning hedonist because I actually work in the wine world and I'm, uh, yeah, I've worked in the wine world for going on 14 years now, very much a wine communicator and educator. So I don't buy or sell wine, but I write about wine. Um, I have an international television wine series called The Wine Show, which has filmed several times in Portugal in series one and in series three, it was based in Portugal. And yeah, I also do lots of uh, tastings, events, and have been based mainly in America the last three years doing wine and media projects, but now I am back in the UK. 
Awesome. Okay. Um, you're not an alcoholic because you kept a bottle of wine for two years. No alcoholic would ever do that. Okay. <laughs> so you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Um, yeah. Well, we first got in touch or I first sort of knew about you because of the wine show. Um, and uh, I think maybe Joe's legs still bear your nail marks in his leg uh, from the, 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 ca the cabin, the little go-kart things in, in Madeira. Um, toboggan things toboggan things yeah yeah that was what well, was a bit like a mixture of the crazy teacups at disneyland mixed in with a toboggan i mean it was it was pretty lethal but it was actually quite fun i'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie it's awesome i was i did it the first time i went to funchal and it's amazing it's amazing so yeah was that your um th that wasn't your first experience of portugal no i think my first was before the wine show i went to Quinta de Rosa with uh yeah, yeah in the Douro exactly and that I mean that's a beautiful beautiful Quinta and that was my first time in Portugal and just I could then for the first time really appreciate how mountainous and dramatic the landscape is in, in, in that part of the country um and and the roads are pretty crazy <laughs> and then um after we were there with with press for an evening we then had one night in Porto for the festival of Sao Jao, which was that's not an introduction. Fun. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. That I just didn't want to leave. I just loved, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, the the, the dancing in the streets and celebrations only really got going at 9 p.m. You know, everyone hits each other with those inflatable vegetables, and it's meant to have something. Did to you do get with garlic people. in your face? Um, the garlic I plant? I avoided the garlic. Someone tried. Um, yeah. But I just loved it. I mean, it's just, it just felt so safe. You know, all these little kids were out there, went on to at least till three in the morning. And everyone was just euphoric on sangria and live music and eels and sardines and, you know, which they just had out in their like little neighborhood barbecues. It was amazing. Yeah, I've done Sao Joao uh, once and it was incredible. Did you um, eat everything? Did you try everything? Did you try the eels and the sardines and all of that? Yeah, yeah, I love all of that. I really, okay. really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're quite an adventurous eater. Yeah, and I love what they do with seafood. Uh, that's probably like my favorite dishes, like from, from Portugal, I, I must admit. And there's some fantastic seafood there um, in, in the Dora, but also all over, actually, everywhere I go in Portugal, I seem to have amazing seafood did you manage to hit anybody with the hammers did you get yourself a hammer um well i had like an inflatable yeah like a little plastic yeah, hammer yeah. the plastic hammer thing yeah exactly yeah no i had great fun <laughs> yeah, they eventually you know they eventually decided that to, that we needed to go on to the inflatables as opposed to the old wooden ones um yeah, so the parties were different that. when we had the wooden hammers <laughs> Not so much fun, maybe. Um, Depends who you speak to, but yeah, they're not around anymore, those guys, you know. When, so. did, they, when did they change that? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, don't, I, I <laughs> thankfully wasn't around for any of the wooden the wooden <laughs> hammers. But it's a courting gesture, apparently, uh, both of them, the hammer and the, the garlic clove, the garlic plant. It's a garlic plant that they... It's an aphrodisiac, isn't it? So Supposedly, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not... You know, having garlic put in your face doesn't say sexy yeah, to me, but really you know, that's okay. Well, that's <laughs> did you end up in the ocean after? Did you do the... I, I the... actually didn't. They, okay. I, I, I was on a press trip, so there probably were like health and safety guidelines along that. 
that kind of action. Yeah, a presenter <laughs> yeah. cannot go with the locals. Don't whatever. <laughs> just keep 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 tabs on her. Don't let her don't, don't don't let her wander off. Yeah. So the tradition is that at sun sunrise you end up in the ocean for a swim. It's a uh, oh wow fresh. It's fresh. Yeah. Again, next time. This is next, next time. Yeah, that's 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 a good one. Um, was so. I mean, what did you know about Portugal before you arrived? Did you know anything about Portugal, or I mean, what were your expectations? I mean, I had a great uncle who lives in Cascais, but we never like he he died when I was quite young, and I never got a chance. But I knew that there was like some. We did have a family relative, um, and then we kind of grew up um with like kind of like a housekeeper and like she was very much like a second mother to me and she was from Portugal so wow. um and she would always bring the most amazing custard tarts um <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but I must I was quite and um we do obviously have some amazing Portuguese restaurants in London now and yeah. one of my very good uh friends who's the one who's coming later to enjoy this Madeira with me, she, um, Charlotte De Silva, she set up an importing business, which imported lots of interesting delicacies and wine from Portugal. And when I ran my supper clubs, I did actually do uh, wine and food supper clubs like Portuguese evenings, but I hadn't actually gone until about, it must've been 2014 was when I went to Quinta um, Rosa. And then I've been back twice, with the wine show and then I also was back earlier this year to go with my friend Charlotte to Lisbon and then I went on to Santarem to do the wine judging competition for wines of Portugal where we had 1,400 wines to taste um wow. to the workout which was effectively the best wine of Portugal amazing okay so I mean let's go to to these these couple of trips um uh you've been introduced to Portugal via wine so that's a good thing because it is so much part of the, the culture and the DNA and probably a, a better way to be introduced to Portugal than, than via golf or, or something like that, you know, so <laughs> it's good. Oh, wait, I have been to the Algarve. Sorry, okay. I did get to the Algarve. Sorry, that just made me think of golf. Yes. Um. <laughs> okay, whereabouts? Well, this, um, it was with my ex-ex who was a full-time dad. And so it was one of these resorts, which is like catered for children. And we didn't really get much of the local life, shall we say, is sure. sunshine and trying to get some relaxation with a three-year-old. Yeah, that's not a holiday. No, so I, I, maybe that's why I forgot. I could have quite frankly been anywhere on that resort. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so that's why that didn't stick out in your memory. What What were yeah. some of on on your first like visits to Portugal, um, whether it be the Douro or or up here? I mean, down here in the Santarém region or Lisbon. What were some of the things that stuck out for you and surprised you on those on those trips? Um. I think like the timeless quality, like, you know, it's, I, I really loved how you could imagine how life was like, like several decades ago, but it's not that they're still moved with the times and you get very trendy bars, trendy restaurants, amazing hotels. We went like with the wine show to Symington's. They've got a very yeah. beautiful tasting room. And now so many of these wineries have amazing tasting room experiences. And of course they've got, um, a, uh, what's it called? seven senses is that what it's called at the spa yep. they've just opened up in the door you know so it's like I really love um but then again you walk around these kind of cold streets and see the amazing street art and you and you just and 
the food which I found the best was definitely the most traditional, nothing too modern, too crazy, too jujued. And it was actually just really paid a homage to the amazing local produce. Amazing, amazing. Um, do you feel safe? Yeah. Coming here? Yeah, as a woman, yes. You know, and I and I would go out early in Lisbon for walks or, you know, like first morning, you know, exercise when I was in Madeira, um, I would go out and I felt like very safe. I Doro as as well. Um, no, and, and there is a real sense of community. I mean, of course I saw Festival Saljao, which was community yeah. overload. And, and again, like that, it really struck me how safe it was. Here, everyone's out on the street, dancing at all hours, drinking sangria, and there were three or four year olds, but it just, it just all, and I could put my bag down and like dance in the street and not worry about it. Um, it was so refreshing. Like, I think, again, that's maybe that timeless quality, um, like back in the day when, when you could do that. Whereas, you know, now I think there's very yeah. few places left in the world where it is safe to have those kind of activities going on. And particularly coming from America and living in LA uh, the last few years, um, yeah, something like that would just be completely inconceivable. Yeah, I must say it's one of the things um, that that uh, that's, that con continuously, and, and I'm, I'm from Johannesburg, so safety-wise, we set the bar really, really low. Um, but but um, uh, coming to Portugal and going to, it's not so much, uh, okay, in day-to-day -day life and in your home, you, always, I'm always, I'm always um, surprised. I was always surprised at how safe things were uh, and, and thankful. But then you also see even more at these kind of events where, I mean, Sao Joao, for, to put it into perspective for people that don't know, Sao Joao is, is a festival celebrating the St. John, one of the popular saints. But literally the whole city comes down to the river, the roads are packed, you can hardly move, and everyone parties and drinks. There's hammers, there's garlic, as we yeah. mentioned, there's wine, there's beer. Where I'm from, and, and London, the same thing, you can't have a mass party without there being fights and nonsense and, and there were no children I mean there was um the there'd Fesh never be children around there was the Festa last weekend which I missed in London which was put on by one sport which seemed amazing like it had lots of wineries represented and singers um but yeah no children and it was in you know a you know a hemmed in venue and yeah it, it ha everything had to be extremely controlled um I mean it seemed like an incredible event but yeah there's no way you could have something on that scale scale uh in london no way <laughs> it's an important thing today the safety factor for people and and um portugal seems to still have it right you know in terms of just safety just you're safe you're safe here and that's something quite unique like you said yeah i think they just know the basics of what makes a really good life <laughs> you know and there's an appreciation of art and design and good produce and um yeah, and as I say, they're still moving with the times. I mean, you have some of the best designers and artists and fashion designers all coming to places like Lisbon, particularly during the pandemic, actually. It was crazy being in LA, the amount of people I know who suddenly moved to Lisbon or I had been there and were suddenly thinking about it because it does just seem to have this balance of creativity and innovation, um, but also just like rooted in good values and yeah safety yeah it's it's something you can't take for granted 
Sounds like you're thinking of moving. Sounds like you're thinking of making. Yeah, I know. I'm now like going back into a reverie of like Lisbon. And as I said, Charlotte's coming over later, and we need to plan our next Lisbon trip because I did not have enough. To, I only had three days, and that was just not enough in Lisbon before I was judging. Yeah. Amazing. Um, what are some of the other things that you that you appreciated that you maybe you were expecting it to come in and sort of match expectations? But what are some of the other things? We'll, we'll get onto the wine, so don't go onto the wine yet. Yeah. Um, but some of the other things, I mean, you spoke about the food. Um, a lot of that's because of the freshness of the, well, the ingredients. I just love and... All of the different, you know, you could have the most incredible seafood and the prices are so reasonable. And we actually uh, went out to Belém, um, you know, like, from Lisbon. Yeah. And um, so we went to see the monastery and the amazing contemporary art gallery. Again, a wonderful fusion of past and contemporary, like, took a picture of that and I was like this is a wonderful marrying of like the past and the future it's great um and then we just went to this really simple restaurant on the beach El Club Naval ordered a very simple white fish I ordered the most simple I know I can't talk about wine but I did order like a very simple glass of vino verde and there I am the sun is shining looking out and you just see all the families out on the beach and and um it was it was just such a reasonable price like yeah I, I just it was just ridiculous how cheap this really delicious very simple um meal was and it just also just really seemed to capture a, a slice of what it was like to actually be living in Elizabeth and same actually my last day after judging I went to um Bermero seafood restaurant oh, um, yeah yeah of course I can't, incredible I can't really local hangout and like again it was like a Sunday and all these like Portuguese families were out there with their kids and their parents and it's very simple and like the oysters were amazing and they were so cheap and I had again like a really great um Alvarino um but um again I was just like everything's just like simplicity and then of course you have like crazy experiences like Belcanto which um yeah, yeah which is you know kind of Portugal revisited and the but like again there's like stories behind that and it's fun and it's not pretentious and the scent it's just in such stately epic surroundings and yet everyone's so friendly and that's what I like so even if you do go for like a Michelin star experience they're not snobby they're not snooty they're all everything is about enjoyment and coming together and I I just really really love that because there's plenty of places in the world we can have fancy pants restaurants but often that can come with a bit of an attitude and crazy, crazy prices. Um, yeah. Did you, uh, you spoke about Blaine uh, and and, uh, and you mentioned earlier about your, the lady that worked in your home who gave you the custard tarts. Did yeah. you try the ones at Blaine? Well, A, the line was very, very long, I must okay. admit. And I since, like, I must admit, I was very little when she was here and I now can't have dairy. I've like ever so since I was seven. Yeah. So I've had them like when I was very little. And then I know it's very, very sad. But again, this is also what I like about Portuguese cooking. You guys use a lot of olive oil. It's kind of, you know, it's more like Mediterranean, like whereas I die when I go to places in France um, and Northern Italy because they put butter and cream in everything. And, and also you have amazing, what also surprised me was the sheep's cheese. Cause I can have sheep and goat's cheese and there's just such amazing sheep and goat's cheese. And then you also have things like um, you have, oh my gosh, um, Parma ham, mm -hmm. but like no one thinks of Portugal for Parma ham. Like I think the Portuguese really undersell themselves. Like everyone thinks of Italy. And I'm like, how do they cache on that? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you, uh, you've got, um, yeah, we're very underrated for cheese and we're very underrated for, uh, we, we don't call it palm, we call it presunto. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, prosciutto. That's what I meant. Yeah. And even, and even um, in Spain, they're well known for it, but the pig is actually from Portugal. Yeah, I suddenly started discovering all the stuff. And then you're really good with olive oil, yeah. but no one talks about Portuguese olive oil. And I, I'm like, guys, but maybe that's part of the charm that they're, they're not arrogant and they don't big themselves up like other cultures, certain other cultures which are coming to mind who maybe big themselves up, up and don't always deliver. Whereas like, I'm like, with the Portuguese, I was like constantly discovering interesting things. So I was like, but I always thought Italy was a place to go for that or Spain was. So that was like really interesting for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things where we kind of fly under the radar and uh, and then, yeah, yeah, it surprises. It surprises. Also, it was quite funny, and I mean this in an endearing way, and like Thank Charlotte you. and I, when we were in Lisbon, kept on laughing, is when you've asked something, like if you ask someone, oh, can I go in here? Like, let's say it's a bar and they're not sure that they kind of go, oh, I kind of give you these roundabouts like, well, I'm not sure. Da, 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 da. And then it's always as possible. Do you find that they tend to answer things like slightly in this kind of like negative circuitous way? And then they're like, actually, no, we can do it. But like this, like I did find that a little bit. Yeah, I find there's a, there's a, um, there's a roundabout way to get, maybe it's like a scenic route, you know, like it's a roundabout way to get to, I'm not sure if it's possible. This is why I don't think it's possible. Actually, yes, it is possible. It is possible. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like if you ask in a different way, then you'll get there anyway, you know? Yeah, no, it's just like everywhere, like whether it's for something in the hotel or to get up to this bar and we like, wait for it, wait for it. It's not going to be a simple yes or no, you know? Like it was so funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what I you mean. Where that comes from? It's endearing, but like you're like, no, no, just wait for it. Like it will happen, but it just won't happen necessarily immediately or the way you expect it to. Yeah, um, <laughs> Amelia, you, you you're clearly a person that loves a good chat and and enjoys speaking to people. I mean, how did you find that part of Portugal, um, where you know people just have the time and the um, enjoyment to have a conversation with you as a random stranger uh, how was that experience for you yeah no I mean it was amazing because yeah it does seem to operate on its own time which I loved again I think that's what gives it it's slightly I felt like my whole time in Portugal should be seen in sepia you know like <laughs> and I think that probably is very much like the pace of life where things get done and beautiful things are achieved but yeah it is on its own time and I actually have a lot of respect for that when the actually like the lack is so easy to just get swept up in the distractions and and hecticness of the world around us and I found like people always very very helpful um and actually even when I was judging so I there were about 12 international judges when I, I went to this competition and then the rest of Portuguese winemakers and judges and so there were about probably 50 of them and okay, my, my Portuguese is terrible. I speak Spanish. I don't know how to print it. Like I'm really bad with knowing what to enunciate and uh, where the inflections go. But what I did always find um, when I was there was like, as long as like you smiled, you know, like, like it's amazing the power of a smile. And my father always says this. He's just like, oh, and you know, okay, you should say that a smile is universal, but there's definitely some places where smiles are more appreciated than others. And I definitely felt that in Portugal, that definitely was because I'm like a very smiley 
kind of very enthusiastic person and I love hugs and I use my hands a lot like even though I didn't speak that much Portuguese everyone was very willing to engage and we could kind of like laugh at similar things even if we didn't completely understand what was going on and yeah people just were very up for just positivity you know kind of warmth and um yeah I think they appreciated my outgoing nature I think I might be a bit much for some some places and I, I definitely am too loud for others but um I seem to to fit in in Portugal even though obviously yeah my Portuguese is terrible <laughs> not, not an issue here not an issue um how, I mean how did you find that in terms of the language uh so many English-speaking people uh being able to communicate yeah I mean I think and I know I, I can't really talk about wine um but I think because Portuguese, like I think in England, like most people that like, if they're taught at schools, it's like French and Spanish, like we're not taught Portuguese. And I think that can maybe hold it back sometimes because some of the best wines, are made, uh, like all of the best wines really, I would argue, well, maybe not all, but quite a few are made from native grapes, which people don't know how to pronounce, people have never heard of. Lots of people have maybe only been to the Algarve. They haven't explored around, so they can't appreciate the diversity and variety of these amazing, amazing regions. Um, so for me, um, like just in, in terms of getting around, as I say, like everyone's so friendly, I felt very safe. In terms of marketing things like wine, I can see how that's a real issue, which, okay. yeah. Because also up until recently too, again, I'm sorry, I keep veering into wine, but yeah, um, most people, most of the wine was drunk domestically. And now like exports are increasing. It used to be ten percent they'd export, but now we're starting to see more Portuguese wine. I think people are starting to like recognize places, not just the Douro, but of course they know Vina Verde and Alvarino. So I think people are starting to get their heads around these new grapes or regions which they haven't visited, but they're beginning to realize like, oh wow, you know these are really classic premium premium wine regions, which is exciting. I can't stop you anymore. So let's talk about <laughs> wine. You took us there. You took us there shamelessly. It's okay. really hard. That's <laughs> no, okay. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, one of the things you mentioned about about people, um, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll we'll get into you know what you think of of the wines and 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 that kind of thing. Um, but certainly, um, one of the things that you mentioned is is kind of we were speaking about the cheese and the olive oil and the the presunto and how we kind of tend to undersell these things here yeah. we can include wine in that bracket um and when you talk about marketing uh joe mentioned on, on previously on the podcast um mel as well joe and mel both work with you on the wine show mm -hmm. they mentioned the same thing um there isn't a we don't sell it enough uh and 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 w why do you think that is do you think that's a personality thing do you think it's big why do you think that that it isn't more prominent in terms of being able to to to, to talk about our wines and, and put them more on the on the world stage? Well, I think, I mean, a few reasons, possible reasons. Like I can possibly give you like the full all of the reasons, but I think one is probably personality. Like I don't think, as I was I mentioned before, I don't think the Portuguese sell themselves particularly well um now i'm gonna get into dangerous territory here being half american i can argue that there's an excuse to be made some people oversell and mm -hmm. that's not a good thing 
either. But um, I think, yeah, that doesn't come. I think also because it's only been in the last 10 years or so where they've become, they, they just used to drink so much domestic. And I guess you've had other things going on, whether that was like kind of, you know, kind of economic, social, like instability and those kind of things. So maybe exporting wine wasn't such an issue. And also I would argue that it's almost because port is so successful that you're almost damned by, you know, a product which has very much kept us in, like, I think we've had that treaty with, with Portugal and port since over 400 years or something, you know. It's, it's All the pretty... streets in the world. Well, and then I'm going actually next week to the embassy, the Portuguese embassy for the 650th um, Anglo-Portuguese anniversary and yet celebrating yeah, the oldest alliance between two nations of the world. And they're actually serving a 200th anniversary of Graham's port and a 350th edition of Wars port. So oh. it's amazing because there's so much heritage and history and, and obviously the relationship there is so valuable. But I think almost it's like people are like, oh yeah, Portugal, that's port. And, you know, I sometimes think like someone's success can also be like another reason for like them maybe not able to move on and, and be seen in other areas. And I think people got quite lazy with just being like, oh yeah, we drink port at Christmas and we drink this. And, um, you know, and I, I think it's only really been the last 10, 15 years that England's really been able to appreciate kind of the, the table wines and the fact that no there's not just port is actually wonderful sparkling wine and white and red and roses and like really cool natural stuff and um yeah and like very classic winemaking with also like some of the most avant-garde trendy winemakers uh, very talented winemakers around you know it's this wonderful mesh but I think going back to your question I think yeah um I think England kind of had like a lazy attitude I think Portugal made a lot of money and things from port and they maybe had other things going on in the country to think about as opposed to selling their wine and of course their wine's delicious so they're like well we can why why do we want to give it away but um yeah I think also it's um a lot of money needs to go into marketing I just don't know quite how much money in Portugal is is, is given to those bodies and all honesty yeah. and you I've now seen some really um in like the last two or three years, I've seen some really, well, actually, no, not in the last year, it's the pandemic, but this year, then 2019, there were some really cool Portuguese events. Like, as we just said, we had Festa going on, which was like last week. And we've had like big, big, big wines of Portugal events with incredible wine, like winemakers do come over and they are now willing to come and travel and talk about the wines and give context, which I think is really needed, particularly as most people probably wouldn't have gone to Portugal for wine regions. Um, I think... Um, yeah, so like, uh, yeah, a number of kind of commercial reasons, eco-political reasons, personality reasons. Yeah. But I do see... combination. See, yeah, a combination. Um, what were Joe and Mel's reasoning? I'm curious why they thought the marketing just wasn't... Yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe uh, jumped into a lot of the historic side of things with the cooperatives, which if you read the, the history of, we had a previous episode with um, uh, wine writers, a guy called Simon Wolf and, and uh, Ryan Opaz, and they write a book yeah. called Foot Trodden, and it's about the history of Portugal through the different regions and the cooperatives coming out of the dictatorship and how much that was used to control the grape growers and that's really, really interesting. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's the social economic, like, political. Yeah, I mean, that, and that, that's a massive thing. It's, sorry? 
similar to South Africa and the co-ops and apartheid. And now, yeah, yeah. So it's quite fascinating because a lot of the wine farms just didn't know how to market themselves. They didn't know how because all they were there to do was grow grapes, uh, and it was kind of like they had to reinvent themselves in a way. So, and then I do think there is a cultural there is a cultural thing. I do think I don't think that Portuguese think that they do it worse than anybody else. No. I think they just don't think they need to make a big noise about it and which has its pros, but in some ways it's not a good thing as well. They need to be a little bit more proud about what they do. Um, so, so yeah, it's interesting. What do you like about, I mean, uh, this is a very broad brush question, but what do you like about Portuguese wines? I, um, I mean, I do love how, like, obviously everyone says the diversity and of course you have over 250 grapes to play with. And I just can't get over the fact that the UK is 2.5 times bigger than Portugal. And then you think of all the different wines and all the different wine regions and all the different styles and the history. It's it's like insane. Um, so that- so you, you mentioned something about grape. Um, what did you say it was? Um, there, there are over 250 no, oh. uh, Before, earlier on, you said, do you think the best wines have got a, uh, it's, a, it's, a it's a grape variety that's local to that- Yeah, native grapes. I mean, native grape. I, mean, I, I do love, like, for instance, I discovered on my trip to Lisbon at Belcanto, actually this amazing sparkling wine made in the same way as Champagne by Luis Costa. And it was like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, vintage 2006. It was like fantastic. So I'm not saying like they can't do yeah. Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and that's like great, but I actually think like discounting um, sparkling, I actually really love the native grape varieties. And I really love for me, um, and particularly actually this last trip too, it proved to me just how excellent white wines are from Portugal. Like, I think lots of people now are like, okay, yeah, Douro, like that's good reds and like good ports. And maybe they'll have like a vino verde in the summer. And definitely when I was at a trade, I was at an on-trade tasting this week, which like on-trade tasting is just purely for like pubs, restaurants. But I just wanted to go just to see how Portugal was positioning itself and uh, or how it was being positioned. And definitely like the most popular, I would say like commercially is still Vina Verde. And like that's still sold at like pubs, restaurants all over and it's a fantastic summer option. Um, but definitely for me, I had like tried in the past, like a, a few of the white Douro blends. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I love it. Cause I like white wines, which kind of have nuances like age worthy, full bodied, really gastronomic and have lots of different layers going on. So compare them with everything kind of I like white wines but could be reds in that way and I actually think Portugal has a lot of that and actually my favorite my new favorite white grape uh from Portugal is the Encruzado grape from the Dow region and that it was so amazing because um I had like all different kinds of Encruzado like from the very like saline and zippy and zesty to the kind of full-bodied caramel apples sprinkled with sea salt it was amazing um I love it in all its guises but the wine which beat all of, out of the 1,500 wines we tasted over three days, I didn't taste all 1,500. I probably tasted 300. Um, still quite, not bad. No, maybe 400 over three days. You know, that's not bad. A fifth, a fifth of the wines. Yeah, I tried a fifth. More than a fifth. But I, um, the wine which won was actually one of my tasting flights and I loved it. And it was an Encruzado from the Dow. So everyone was so amazed that a white wine won and that it was from the Dow region. And like, that's just like, I just think that's so exciting how like, it just shows how things are evolving and you just can't have 
this very linear black and white view of what's what's good about Portugal and what's hot and what's not. Like, I think it's really, really exciting. So when you talk about native um, uh, grape varieties, I mean, there's so many, uh, probably some that you still need to try. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> with, I mean, it's with such a small country with so many grape varieties. It's it's an, and native. It's uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, like, again, this is what they need to work out because so South Africa has an interesting history with its cooperatives and the apartheid. And then they hadn't been making like they hadn't been able to get their wines up. But then what they did to get onto the world's wine scene was to like produce a lot of grapes which are already well known internationally. Yeah. Portugal's always like very been very traditional and it's like no we're going to keep doing our own thing which I have a lot of respect for and that's definitely like it it it's like their greatest you know point of difference the fact that they do have all these amazing native grapes um and amazing styles of wine but I think it's just it's hard to market like when you're so good at a lot of different things how do you really capitalize on that and find the a good coherent message for consumers I think you know, again, it's that phrase, which is now just completely evaporated from my brain. Um, you, you know, we were just like good at so many things that can almost like sometimes work against. Yeah, jack of all trades, master of none. Well, I wasn't going to say master of none because they do have like incredible. I mean, actually saying that like Madeira is a white wine, which age, you know, and actually when we were in um, uh, the wine show series three, when we were in Madeira, we had a Madeira, which was over 70 years old, like a blend. Yeah, it was just like, it had been aged, sorry, it had been aged, it was probably even older, but like it had been aged for over 70 years. And like that wine was singing. And then when you talk to, like I'm friends with Hugh Johnson um, and Michael Schuster, who's again, like a fantastic wine educator. And they'll say that if they're on a desert island, their desert island wine would be Madeira. And like, there is like something just so, magical and it seems to have a superpower like I open this up today and then I'm like actually you know what put the stopper in this will last for another 50 years like it's it is kind of crazy um so they absolutely are masters and of course port and whatever but um I think in terms of the table wine it's just like kind of working out how do we get people past the Vina Verdes and maybe the Orintos and get them to appreciate the Fanal Peresh or the Incruzado or so like when I did a post about Incruzado I basically was like this is for the Chablis lovers. This is for the, you know, I kind of like, if you like this, try you this. Try this, if you yeah. like that, try that, you know, and, and give them like a range of places to go. And so that I thought, might, you know, could be helpful for people. Yeah, I mean, because I think, it, I suppose there is, it is kind of a, once you get into the, the Portuguese wine world is where do you start? Yeah. Uh, and what do I have to compare it to um, is maybe the, the biggest challenge. The stories are beautiful. The 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 history of the wine farms is stunning, um, but yeah, the grape variety is a unique grape variety. I mean, there's some that are grown, and that's the only place in the world that they're grown in the world or in Portugal. And okay, what do I have to have to compare it to? Um, so yeah, that is. A challenge. You know what's like um could be a way to get people to appreciate the grapes more is the fact that due to climate change. So many countries now, like South Africa, like California, are using Portuguese grape varieties like Bordeaux because so many of your grapes are drought resistant and are really hardy and resilient. And people are already having to do, you know, deal with these increasing temperature um, changes. And then now, now when you go down the 101 in California, you see all of these Portuguese grape varietals planted. So 
you know, you see Tariga Nacional out in Central Coast, which is kind of crazy. But again, I think that's maybe also a good way for people to be like, oh my God, no way. Like, they're trying it there. And <laughs> California is very good at marketing. Um, you know, so maybe that can also be like a way too it's kind of again like a more roundabout way but actually people be like oh my god this group we've never heard of okay let's go back to the spiritual homeland i want to try the classic version from portugal so that's exciting too yeah that's interesting that's interesting yeah i read that we've got some some great varieties yeah like you mentioned tariga national where uh they it's kind of like these grape varieties are grown in areas where there is so much of a diversity in climate and in weather and in conditions, but the grape still managed to produce something delicious. Uh, and this is becoming more and more relevant in today's world and, and beneficial. Yeah, it's really cool. Very, very cool. Um, what besides, uh, you mentioned a few things, but I mean, besides the wine, um, what would you want people to know about Portugal? A person that's never, they're going to parachute in, to Portugal, what do you want them to do? Something for everyone. I mean, even if you just went to Lisbon for like two days, you like could do fabulous shopping. Actually, and like I love actually I kept the bag from like oh, Avida Portuguesa. Um, you know, and like so again, like if you want to get classic kind of um class classic kind of Portuguese delicacies or ceramics or that kind of thing they have all of that but then you can go to like really trendy stalls too and then you can go to amazing restaurants and there was a jazz festival going on when we were there you can go out to the seaside really easily um, and and see monasteries and art museums and have amazing seafood Um, again like it's because it's so much smaller than the UK like you could do that and then you could also easily get to the Douro and appreciate some of, like yeah again the oldest kintas like in yeah definitely in Europe but it was amazing like it's so incredible um and appreciate kind of the lifestyle there by the sea and it still kind of feels like a working um place too like in, in a um in a really charming charming way um but I think like the accessibility I mean I really want to go to the Dow and you were like saying to me oh yeah you should definitely go to the Dow and then you've got all the amazing castles and like history baths it's an incredible place and of course there's the fact that there's just so much natural beauty anywhere like whether you like hiking whether you like the ocean um it's just absolutely amazing there really is something like whether you're artistic whether you're a foodie whether you like the outdoors again the safety thing the fact that you know, if you just need to chill out with kids and you know they're going to be okay, you know, I'll, you know, I went in the Algarve and whatever, but, um, you know, there, there really is something for everything and it doesn't break the bank too. Like I had the most amazing, like I would say indulgent in terms of indulging of the senses, just walking around and hearing the musics and going to wonderful cafes and having wonderful food and being able to buy certain like little ceramics. And you d- it doesn't have to be crazy, crazy expensive. And we stayed um, in this really reasonable hotel just off um, Avenida Libertad, um, off the Principe Real Hotel. Good location. Yeah, Hotel Alegria, which meant like, and it was not expensive at all. And it was like such a great location. Yeah, it was kind of like the equivalent of London, Notting Hill. And, you know, you go out and there's like little markets to go shopping, vintage shopping and live music playing on the street. It was just amazing and magical. And like, even just to get a coffee and sit on the street and watch the world go by is just so charming and life enhancing. Beautiful, well said. 
<laughs> you're gonna come back you have to come yeah, back you have I to go to the Dow because of that wine <laughs> you mentioned wine that sings uh what does that mean wine that sings which one did i you said you said there was a wine that was singing in in um madeira oh that one was the one which was like over 70 years yeah like, yeah so yeah. what did what do you mean by it sings what do you mean by the wine that's singing like i don't know there's just like such like gravitas because a you're just kind of like oh my gosh this is time machine like this is like a liquid time machine this is crazy but then again like i think what you get with madeira is, is to have like the, the dried apricot fruit which is like still so golden and opulent and then you have like the coquettish playful kind of salted nutty thing going on and it just lasts on a tongue for ages and just kind of dances on your palate for at least like 10 or 15 seconds afterwards it's like insane like it's still like it just like travels with you mm. and it just like feels so alive um even though yeah uh, the wine we had was would have been at least 70 years old uh, yeah Awesome. Um, Amelia, how can people follow you online, stay in touch with what you're yeah, up to? Absolutely. Um, so I use Instagram as my main go-to. Um, it's Amelia's underscore wine. Um, I have to put underscore because otherwise it looks like Amelia's swine. Not a good look. Oh, yeah. You don't want that. No, don't want that. Uh, and then like, I do have a website too, but I tend to also post all my events or online stuff because sometimes I do Instagram lives. I did a lot of that during the pandemic. Um, and then I'm going to be doing lots more interesting events with wine and music and literature and art because I love the arts and culture as you probably picked up and I consider wine to be one of that. So that's why when I'm talking about the culture of a place, it's like, yeah, wine, it's just like a really easy lens for me to engage with other stuff. Okay, so we'll put a link in the show notes so that people can keep up to date with what you're doing. That'll be great. Fantastic. And I can't wait to go to the Anglo-Portuguese um, celebration, the 650th anniversary of our friendship and alliance next Monday. I'll Enjoy it. Enjoy it. What the, so that's Monday the... the, the Monday the 4th of July. 4th of yeah. July. Okay. So yeah, we severed ties with America, but we're still respecting our time. <laughs> Good shout. Good shout in the end. I think I think. That's a really good shout. <laughs> all right. Uh, Amelia, um, a question that we ask all of our guests. Portugal, the simple life. Why? Ah. Just I'm sure you can just tell from like the wistfulness in my voice when I reflect back. Uh, Portugal just seems to have it have it right, the right balance between appreciating traditions and past values but also still being able to move with the time so that's switched on and i think to get that balance right is really really hard and particularly in today's crazy world i'll say thank you so much for being on the podcast no thank you so much for having me this is great a wonderful excuse to open up my madeira exactly <laughs> exactly amelia thank you i'm going to let you call it Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap. So thank you once again to Amelia. And thank you to all of you for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends, give us a thumbs up, and please leave a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And as we say in Portugal, saúde. Welcome to The Simple Life.